0: Um, you know, a lot of times we think that we need to have conversations around topics in order to get uh, more understanding about those topics. Like, for instance, you know, finances or raising kids or, or marriage or whatever it is, your boss that's a punk. You know what I'm saying? Like, we need to talk about those things in order to get help. But but did you know that as we discuss the Word of God, as we read the Word of God and we allow it to change us, that everything that we encounter we encounter it differently. Why? Because we're different. Because we're changed. And that's the wonderful thing about the good news of Jesus and, and going through the Bible like this is it changes you. And therefore, everything that you encounter, you encounter differently. And so uh, we've really been enjoying it. And so... Uh, so we're gonna be in chapter eight today. Uh, we're gonna to be at verses one through 17, by the way. We're not gonna be covering the entire chapter. This is one of those chapters that needed to get split up in order for us to cover it uh, uh, you know, properly. So, uh, so today, verse one through, through 17 is where we're gonna be at. And uh, in chapters one through four, we discovered that the gospel reveals God's righteousness. And of course, by us seeing God's righteousness, it really reveals our unrighteousness, all right? And then in uh, chapters five through eight, which is where we've been the last few weeks here, uh, it's talking about how the gospel creates a new humanity, Jesus came and literally created a new way of living, okay? Adam was the first man, and him and Eve, of course, we know the story. We like to talk about it a lot, and uh, we like to blame them a whole lot. And so, uh, you know, it started with them, but then Jesus came, and actually the Bible refers to Jesus as the second Adam, and it created a new way of living, and one that we live in Christ. And so we've been talking a lot about that. And uh, chapters five through eight, especially six through eight, is so important for us to understand as Christians. It really is. If we can understand these three chapters and continue to maul them over and go over them in our minds, um, it, it really will renovate the way that you, you view yourself and the way that you view yourself as a Christian and the way that you live your life. And so today is one of those uh, one of those weeks. All right. So we ended last week. With some of the greatest verses in the Bible, y'all, chapter eight, verses one, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, those who are united with him in faith. For the law of the spirit of life has set you, uh, set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Wasn't last week Incredible. Pastor Stephen was here and he talked about the law, and there is no way I'm going to try to recap what he talked about. If you missed it, you missed it. You need to go back and watch it. Um, whenever we say the law, we say it a lot in the Bible because it's all throughout. It's one of the key um, one of the key topics in the Bible. A lot of people we don't really have a good grasp on what that means, and so we read it and we just see it from one angle. Really, there's a lot of different angles that we should see it from. A, a really, uh, it's, it's a spectrum. And so I thought he did an incredible job last week teach, teaching on that. And again, if, if you feel like you missed it or maybe you didn't get it, go back and watch. It's only 30, 40 minutes, right? It's like one episode of King of Queens. I mean, just, you know, it's not that bad. <laughs> Does anybody still watch King of Queens? Pretty much just our family. A few, you guys. You don't want to admit it, huh? It's one of the best. Anyway. It's, it's all, maybe two of them, maybe two of them without commercials. But um, today, verses one through 17, we really have two big ideas. And the, the first one is this, that there's two ways of living, either by the spirit, by the new nature, or the flesh, the old nature. Uh, and the second idea is that it's about the adoption of the believer as children of God and how that gives us access to all the benefits we have in Christ. So uh, so I'm really excited about today, so let's jump right in. Verse three is where we're gonna start. And this, again, is about living by the Spirit. He says, For God has done what the law, which was weakened by the flesh, could not do, which is an interesting way of putting it. Basically, it's that the law prescribed a life, a life of holiness But it was powerless to produce such a life because of the inadequacy of the human material in which it had to work. Pretty much just to kind of sum up some of last week is the law could not defeat sin. It could only detect sin. Okay, the law could not defeat it. It could only detect it. But God has done what the law, which is weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own son. Ascending his own son. Now again, we read little little phrases like that. We just keep going, but Paul just said two incredible things, two monumental statements. Number one, he's talking about the grace of God that God would send His own son. That's huge. All right, that's sort of like John three sixteen. Everybody knows that scripture, right? That's that's, that's one of the biggest things is that God would send His own son, which reveals His grace. But also, he's saying that. Jesus was the Son or is the Son of God, which means that Jesus is deity. He's talking about the deity of Jesus, that Jesus is God. And that right there is another gigantic statement. So we're gonna keep on going past those two gigantic statements and keep reading. You know what I'm talking about? You see how these things can open up, right? So by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, not in not in sinful flesh, but in the likeness of Jesus was sinless. And that is very, very important to what we believe. So if anybody's, or if maybe you've been kind of, maybe he wasn't sinless. I wanna let you know that that is a gigantic part of our doctrine that you must believe in. Jesus was sinless. He is the son of God, okay? Everybody got that? We're good with that? Okay, keep moving. (laughs) Because if not, he wouldn't have been able to atone us home for our sin. That's why that's a big deal, y'all. He came in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, or as a sacrifice of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. God carried out judgment against sin through Jesus when he took upon himself our iniquity, our sin. Huge deal but God condemned sin through what Jesus did. I love 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Again, as you read scripture, begin to realize how many times the scripture says in Christ or in him or through what Jesus did. And every time that you read that, I want you to remind yourself that it was not you. That it was not, you didn't have to pay the price, but also you couldn't have lived the life that Jesus lived. So everything that we believe by faith is in Christ. Our righteousness is found in Christ. So verse four, in order, he he condemns sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Again, we don't fulfill it ourselves. Us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. All right, what does this look like? What does this mean? Walking according to the spirit, not the flesh. A lot of the things that we've talked about over the last uh, seven, eight weeks have been about the process of justification, about dealing with the condition of sin that we're born with, that we are made right with, uh, with God through Jesus by faith in him. But then we've talked about how the secondary part of our life as believers is also this process of sanctification. And it's this process of being made more like Christ. And you, you don't separate those in regards to how it operates in our life. It's not like I'm gonna just focus on being justified, but this whole sanctification thing, eh, I'm not really worried about that. No, for believers, it's, it's, it's two sides of the same coin, which is the gospel of Jesus has set us free from sin both unto uh, uh, death, but also to live for Him. Okay, so it's there's this both and thing. A lot of us we like either or. Can I just, okay, I got this and I'm good with this. No, 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 we, we need to have both and, this understanding of both and. And so that's where Paul's, we're gonna kind of start opening up this concept of living according to the spirit, not the flesh. But what does this look like? What, what does the life of a believer look like? I think that Paul gives us a great description in Galatians chapter five. And so we're gonna look quickly in Galatians chapter five. He says this, verse 17, for the desires of the flesh, Our sinful nature are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. You ever feel like that? (laughs) Like what you wanna do, you can't and what you don't wanna do, you continue to do. Like there's this tension that we live with, right? Verse 18, but if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. We talked a lot about that last week. Now, all right, for all my list people, we like lists of things. What does what the works of the flesh look like, okay? Well, give, me, give me some, you've been talking about this concept, but what does it look like? All right, now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, those who do such things, I would like to add the word habitually. That this is your lifestyle, okay? A lot of times, this is where fear begins to enter into those who, y'all ever notice those who do good, like, like they're always the ones, th- those who are good always end up being the ones that are more, most fearful of, of being wrong or being bad, you know what I'm talking about? Like, like maybe you had a brother or sister, they were always like, goody two-shoes like they always wanted but they were already good but they always worried about being better okay and then those who were bad didn't care about that at all so they just kept doing it you know like like so <laughs> Paul's like I've already warned you about this but but here's a list for you even though again Paul lists some things but again he, he deals so much with the heart because because it's such an important component because right now even some of you you're like writing down the list don't do, don't do, don't do. And Paul's like, yeah, but, but it's more about who you are versus what you do or don't do. But does it matter? Yes, it does matter how we act as believers. Because he says such people that do these such things, they're not gonna inherit the kingdom of God. So we see it's very important, right? It's very important. But verse 22, the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is... Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. They've crucified their flesh, uh, you know, not physically, but really what he's talking about here, again, is being united with Christ through faith. But he talks about how our passions and desires have been crucified with Christ. Did you know that our passions and desires speak a lot about the appetite of our heart? What we desire. And you can't always see what we desire. Can't always see it. A powerful prayer that that I pray quite often, and uh, I believe all of us really should, is, is God, don't just change what I do, but change what I wanna do. I'll just change what I do. A lot of us get so wrapped up in what we do, but, but we, we skip over why did I desire to do that? Why did I, what, what was that desire? God, would you change that part of me because it doesn't look like you? Right? Versus, God, just help me not do it anymore. Help me not do it anymore. I don't want to do it anymore. You ever feel that? You feel that tension? Not just what I do, but how I think. Because really, how I think is how I'm gonna live. It's one of the big components of the Christian life that we are very aware, and we should be very aware of how we think. Because how we think thinks eventually how we're gonna act. That's why the Bible talks about renewing our mind daily, constantly renewing our mind. It says in verse five, for those who live according to the flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh all the things that I just read, the list. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. So how do I know if I live by the flesh or by the Spirit? By examining how do you think. That'd be a good place to start. How do you think? What thoughts do you entertain in your life? That's right, nobody knows about this part of you. Only you. That's why I think sometimes we should be less concerned with how we act versus how we think, because we could be sitting there, not be doing anything, but be thinking completely in the flesh. So you could look like a good Christian, but do you think like Jesus? Right? This goes way past behavioral modification. This goes into what's really going on here, what's going on here? And that's where Paul's trying to get. Do you entertain the, the fruit of the Spirit? Do you think... Like these things that we just read, do you think with love and joy and peace? This past week, I was talking to the staff and um, I simply, I just read 1 Corinthians 13, most of it. We talked about love. And the, (laughs) we talk about love a lot in our culture, don't we? But we talk about love from, I think, a different angle. It's not truly unconditional love like God. It's this conditional love that that if you treat me like I want you to treat me, then I'll love you well. But if not, then you've, you're going to get my wrath. It doesn't sound like our God, does it? But the Bible says that God is love. And love is one of the greatest characteristics or the, one of the, the main fruits of the spirit. Why? Because it's who God is. It's his character. And so here, Paul is telling us that we should think on these things. We should think like this. We should think by the Spirit of God, not by the works of the flesh. And so the, the question is, I mean, what images are on the wall of your mind? What do you think about? Now, what do you act like right now? What do you think about? What kind of, what kind of anger wells up on the inside of you that nobody sees? What kind of sensual thoughts do you have running through your mind? What kind of impurity is happening up in there? Well, I'm not acting on it. Jesus kind of raised the bar when it came to that kind of thinking. He raised the bar. He was talking to some, some guys and he said, you know, for some of you, it's if I don't cheat on my spouse or if I don't commit adultery or fornicate, like, you know, hey, I'm good. He's like, I'm, I'm telling you, if you even look at a woman to lust after her, you've already committed that in your heart. What? (laughs) It's a big deal. How do we think? He goes on, verse six, for to set the mind on the flesh is death. Did you guys know that thinking according to the works of the flesh, it leads to death? It really does. It leads to death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it doesn't submit or obey to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. I want you guys to not think of fleshly or sinful thinking as unimportant. I want you to think of it as poison, all right? I said it a couple weeks ago when we talk about like, oh, I made a mistake, like I just made a mistake. We don't don't call it sin a lot, right? We don't like to do that, like, I sinned, right? We we were like, man, I just, I fell back in my old way of thinking, right? That's just the old man fighting for his attention. And although there is some truth to that, but you, you know why we're saying that, right? <laughs> we want to justify it a little bit. We don't want to call it what it is. It's sin. And sin leads to death. Right? It leads to death. That's, that's what we've been talking about, is unrighteous living, unrighteousness. That's what Jesus came to die for. So let's not lessen it by, by just saying, oh, just, just, you know, working some things out. How about, man, This is unrighteousness. This is sinfulness. And we repent of it rather than entertaining it. Verse eight, those who are in the flesh can't please God. You can't please God by living according to the works of the flesh, right? Now, now, now you guys, you're starting to look like, you know, like I'm fussing at you. You're starting to get sad. I see the faces. You get Like I started off and you guys were like, and now you're like, Right? I can't please God. It's both and. I'm about to get into a spot that's going to kind of lift your spirits a little bit. But we do need to understand the severity of what's going on, right? Can't please God. Verse 9, you, however, you believers, you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit, right? Like, like you're not in the flesh anymore. You're in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him, so what he's saying is you should be living this way, and yeah, you you know, you're gonna make mistakes, right? But but you should be looking and living and, and thinking this way if you belong to Christ, if you actually have his spirit on the inside of you. And this is where things start getting a little bit tough because some of you are thinking, well, do I have the spirit of Christ inside of me? Am I saved? And then some of you, actually, you ask people, you try to find out from other people, am I, like, like you're trying to put your finger on the pulse of your relationship with God. Am am, am I right with God? Am I safe? I I can't tell you that. I, I can't tell you that. Only you know. And if you don't know, then today is a good day for you. It's a good day for you. Because you can be sure, we're gonna get there in a second. But we do have to move through this thinking, man. If I'm not living, if I'm living according to the flesh and not to the spirit, according to all the things that we just saw here, you do have to ask at some point, man, God, is your spirit inside of me? Are you operating in my life? Verse 10, but if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit of life, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you there 's really two trains of thoughts when it comes to these scriptures and different theologians believe different things and Some believe that this is referring to glorification, which really has to do with the end. Uh, You know, Once once we're in heaven, that we will receive glorified bodies. He will give life to our mortal bodies and we'll be raised to new life, which of course is true. And others believe Paul is saying that the spirit strengthens us to, to fight the temptations, to fight sin, fight the sin nature, but through the power of the spirit, not our own. Here's the deal, both of them are true. And I believe that we could pull a lot, of, uh, a lot of good things from the, both of those trains of thoughts. Number one, that at the, end of the, at the end of the day, at the end of our lives as believers, God is gonna resurrect our bodies. But even on this earth right now, God fills us with his power. We live by his spirit to overcome sin. And I think that might be where some people kind of get a little bit skewed is they believe that they are gonna overcome sin by their power, by their ability, by trying really hard And that's not the way that it really works. Verse 12, so then brothers, we are debtors, but not to the flesh. Basically, we're not obligated to our carnal nature. We're not, uh, we are debtors, but not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. To live according to the flesh really talks about a life ruled by the standards set up by the dictates of the flesh. We are set free from that. We do not have to live according to that anymore. Verse 13, for if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you'll live. And again, he's describing the two works, the two-sided work of the Spirit in our lives, dying to sin and also living to Christ. There's two big words. We don't have time to get into it today, but some of you may may know there's a word, it's called mortification. And there's another word called vivification. And one is putting to death the deed that sin, killing sin. It's really what it, it's, it, it is, it's killing sin in your life. And the other is living for Christ, right? So we, we put off the old man and we put on the new nature. And I believe that some people, they really understand or they think they do killing sin, like fighting sin and, and putting off the old man. But I believe some people stop there and they don't talk about putting on the new they just focus on one side. And guys, if you, if you just focus on the one side, there's no life in your relationship with Jesus. It's always about the sin. And, and I, I think that's, re- that's really one of the things that we're trying to kind of open up through this series is let's not be so sin conscious. Does it matter? Yes. But let's be God conscious. Let's be focused upon the goodness of God and upon the gospel of what Jesus has done for us. And by focusing our attention on that, it's amazing what happens in our heart. It's amazing. It's the power of the gospel. So what does it look like to be a Christian? I have have four questions and I love the way that these are worded. Will a person who lives by the spirit overcome sin? Yes. Will a person who lives by the spirit still sin? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Is God's grace sufficient to cover any sin? Yes. Does God expect righteous living from believers? Yes. yes. I feel that tension. I hope I help some of you with that, those questions. It's like, yes. And then, but, well, yes on this side too. And, and right, it's, it's both at the same time. And so many times what happens is we, we, we lean one way, heavy one way, disregarding the other. Well, if I live by the spirit, I won't sin. It's not completely true. There is a tension in this life. We are believers. We have thrown ourselves into the grace of God and God is renewing us and changing us by his power, not our own. But still at times, don't we have echoes of that old man? Yes, yes but the Bible says that a righteous man gets back up and the penalty of that sin that that you committed that should have fallen on you because of Jesus, now that penalty falls on him, on Jesus, because of the cross. That's how how believers continue to be renewed in their walk with Christ. That right there. Repentance and being made new. I wanna encourage you to continue to fight the good fight of faith while also resting in Jesus at the same time. Is this a fight? Yes. But Jesus said that his yoke is easy, his burden is light. Yes, we rest in him. It's both and. Some days are harder than others, guys. Look, there's some days that it's hard for me to to almost function at times because there's just this, There's this tension, there's this weight. I'll be honest, just this past week, there was a couple days that I just was just under something. Don't have words for it. A heaviness of, I'll wrap it up with one word, fear. Just fear, paralyzing fear. And you know how I got through that without remaining in it? Leaning into who Jesus is and what he has done. I didn't go walk in the sunlight. I didn't go get another cup of coffee. I didn't go for a run. I didn't go do something to try to stimulate some sort of physical thing, right? Some sort of emotional. No, I leaned into the cross. Because that's where my power is at, man. It's not my own, it's Jesus. How do you overcome sin? Not by trying harder, but surrendering more. That should be encouraging. And then he moves into this last thought. He says, for all who are led or influenced by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. You have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Bible uses this term father and adoption and we're children of God all throughout. And these words are not used lightly. Paul does not say that we've received the spirit of adoption lightly. Actually, in this time, in the Romans' understanding of adoption, again, it was elevated compared to how we even view adoption today. When someone was adopted, they were actually considered more important than the biological children. Because here's the deal. Adopted kids were chosen. They were seen and known and chosen. I don't know about you guys, but your kids, did you, did you choose your kids? No. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, hey, are you my child? I don't know. I don't want to claim you right now, but no. Sounds terrible. I'm just joking. I would never actually. But some days, come on, guys, some days, it's, it's questionable. But, but there was this understanding that as an adopted child, I mean, there was a lot of value placed. It wasn't second rate. And Paul says, you are adopted into the family of God. And now you look to your God and you say, you call him father. So many of you in this place today do not actually think of yourself as a true child of God. You don't view yourself with that type of value. You always feel like you're on the outside trying to scrap and fight to get on the inside. You still feel like, like yeah, I know what the scripture says, but but, yeah, And you've got to begin to look at yourself and call yourself and believe that you are a child of God based upon your faith in who God is and what he has done for you. That he has chosen you. He has called you out of darkness. You did nothing to deserve it. You've got to begin to lean into that type of understanding because so many of you miss the assurance of your salvation and you run around the tree of, I'm not sure if I am, am I not? So you gotta gotta begin to stand on scripture, stuff like this. It says, I am a child of God. And let all that fear and all that rejection. Some of you have been rejected in your life by your own parents. And so for you to look and read scriptures like this and say, I call God Father, I really didn't have a good example of that. That actually doesn't sound that positive to me. And you need to allow God to begin to restore your mentality in that area. Because some of you, you don't have a really good experience, but God wants to heal you. He wants to heal you. Verse 16, the spirit himself bears witness with us, with our spirit, that we are children of God. We're children of God. And if we are children of God, you've got to realize at that moment, the power of the unconditional love of God. You know, when I was raised uh, growing up, I I had really had two incredible parents. My mom and my dad were married, still married today, still love each other, still love me. And so I grew up in a home where, uh, yeah, we had issues, but, but I would consider it to be uh, a very, very good home life. A good dad, a good father who loved me uh, unconditionally. And the thing was, is that as I grew up, there was a time that, that I, I appreciated the love of my father. But then there was a time where I truly began to understand the love of my father. Like really understand it and realize all the things that they, you know, they had done for me as I was being raised up. And it converted from this, you know, just this immature understanding of of my dad and, and what he had done to this true appreciation for who he was and what he had done, the price that he had paid for me. You know, literally <laughs> money sometimes. Uh, sometimes he had holes in his shoes and he would buy me new shoes for school. I'm talking that kind of stuff, you know. And I didn't know that when I was young until I got older and I realized a lot of great things. But but moving forward in life now with two girls, now I'm seeing and understanding the love of the father from the other direction. And, and as, a, as a person that received this unconditional love from my, my biological father, now I have this unconditional love for my kids. And by, by seeing both sides of the father's love, it's actually caused me to grow in my reliance and, and appreciation for and, and understanding of God's love for me. Now that's my story. But again, I, I'm so aware of so many other people that don't have that story. And so it's, it's so hard for you to lean into this unconditional love because for you, it was if I did good, I, I got good, okay? If I, if I was rewarded, if I did good. And that's the way that you, you live life. And so when it comes to this understanding of who God is and how much he loves you, it, there's a disconnect. And so the only way that I know to come up against that is to just speak truth, to speak truth that God sent his son for you to die for you, not because what you would do for him, but just simply because he loved you that much. And today his love is still going out to you. It's still there. It's who he is. His grace is sufficient for you. And as believers, we are in the family of God. We are children of God. But there's still people here today that, you are not a child of god not everybody is a child of god some people they say that and they believe that but guys not everybody is a child of god you are a child of god by placing your faith in jesus that's whenever you are grafted into the family of god not before And so some of you are in the family of God, but yet you still feel like you're outside the family of God because you have this this misunderstanding of God's love for you and his acceptance of you and, and others of you are outside the family of God. But today you don't have to leave like that. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Everything that God has promised is ours through Jesus. And that means eternal life. And for those of you today who are far from God, again, you find yourself outside the family of God. I wanna give you an opportunity today to say yes to Jesus. I firmly believe this, that God is already drawing many of you. It's not by how well I speak or don't speak. It's not by how perfect a service is or isn't. It's by the spirit of God drawing you. And I believe by reading these scriptures, by talking about these verses, that many of you have come to understand the situation that you're in. And it's one that you're far from God. And again, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to Him today. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? All of us in this room, we find ourselves in a couple of different areas. Some of us are fighting the good fight, but but we need to learn how to also at the same time rest in what Jesus has done for us. Some of us are, we're believers, but man, our thinking, our thinking is on the fence. And you've been challenged today, maybe by not what you're doing, but how you think. And God is speaking to you. If you feel a tug of war inside of you, attention, that's the Holy Spirit convicting you saying, yeah, that's, that's exactly right. You, you, need to, you need to repent of that. And then some of you are, you're technically not really a believer in Christ. You've been struggling with your faith. And a lot of you are trying to get to God through intellect trying to figure it out before you faith it. And if I could just speak to you and, and say, you will only be able to go so far in your intellect, figuring it out before you find yourself at a place where you bow your knee before God and you say, Lord, I don't understand it all, but I have faith in you. And it's not a blind faith. It's not ignorance. It's divine revelation. Divine belief—that's how the Bible puts it—and today I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. He came to this earth, the Son of God, fully God, fully man, died on a cross for your sin, for your sin nature, for the the problem that you were born with, the condition of sin, and He paid the price. He broke the back of the power of sin. And he also paid the price for every sin that you will commit. He did it all so you don't have to. And today all you have to do is say yes. I wanna pray with you if you're in that place right now. I'm gonna pray a prayer, you can repeat it after me, or you can agree with it, you can pray your own. But find your place today in Christ, clothed in his righteousness, not your own. Let's pray. Say, God, I come before you right now humbly, humble and broken, realizing my situation, the condition of sin that I'm born in. And Father, I throw myself at your feet and I ask for you to to forgive me of my sin, to clothe me in your righteousness, to cover my sin. I submit my life to you every part that i have to give the successes and the failures and god i ask for you to change my heart help me lord to live by the spirit and not the flesh change my heart from a heart of stone to a heart that can hear you and feel you and respond to you i give you all that i am today in jesus name now i want to pray for all of us in this room today God, I pray that you would help us by your power, by your spirit to live by your spirit, not according to the works of the flesh, but according to the power of the spirit. God, right now for all of us who do believe, but yet we know that there's areas, there's there's areas in our heart that are not right. Father, we we repent of those areas. We change our, our thinking. We turn to you. God, I pray that right now you would reveal every part of, It doesn't line up with your spirit. God, we wanna truly see ourselves living out the fruit of the spirit, to be loving, full of peace, honor, selflessness, self-control, gentleness, patience. God, we wanna look like you. We wanna think like you. We wanna act like you. So you get all the glory for how we live our lives. God, we thank you for redeeming us, for restoring us, In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Northwood Church is one church with multiple locations. Uh, We have locations in Gulfport, Wiggins, and Long Beach, and we'd love to see you there. If you enjoyed this message and want to get more info on who we are, just head over to northwood.tv. And once you're there, you can check out all our past sermons and all the things that we're doing in South Mississippi, and even to, to give to support those efforts of reaching more people. Be sure to connect with us on social media to stay up to date with everything happening around Northwood Church. Thanks for watching. We hope to see you soon.